Book three, chapter seven of Garcia Marino by Gustin Berth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Missions, eighteen sixty nine to eighteen seventy five. Beyond the Cordilleras and the eastern slopes of those great snowy peaks, there lies an immense plain to the extent of twelve thousand square leagues. In this district, which is on the confines of Brazil, in the midst of virgin forests and on the borders of the Napo, Maranon, and Putumajo, tributaries of the great Amazon River, live two hundred thousand savage Indians, most of them nomads, but the greater portion of whom are simple, good people, and only a few, like the Javaros, cruel and warlike. They adore the sun, like their ancestors, but believe in a supreme being and in an evil spirit. During the last century the Jesuits had gone to these distant regions and implanted among the tribes the doctrines of Christianity and the rudiments of civilization. The province of Maranon alone reckons six great divisions, seventy-four tribes and one hundred sixty thousand neophytes. One may follow the trace of their passage on the map by the names of the localities of Jesus, of Mary, of the Holy Trinity, of St. Michael, Loreto, Santa Rosa, St. Salvador, and many others naturally the radicals would not suffer them to remain in peace the jesuits were driven away and the indians went back to their nomad life in eighteen sixty two garcia marino determined to re-establish these missions and accordingly the jesuits generously went back to the four great centres of their work macas napo guadalquiza and zamora from whence they could send out missionaries to the neighbouring tribes in eighteen sixty four father pizarro the vicar apostolic found himself on the borders of the napo were the accomplices of Maldonado, who had escaped from Ecuador, as we have before mentioned, threw themselves upon the Jesuit missioners, devastated their chapel, profaned the sacred vessels, and dragged the priests in chains to the boats to convey them to Peru, in presence of the Indians who were kneeling and weeping on the banks, and one of whom cried out, Fathers, Jesus himself died on the cross. Are not the satanic emissaries of the revolution the worst of savages? No sooner was Garcia Marina reinstated in power in 1870 than he determined to re-establish the Jesuit missioners on a more solid basis. He invested the vicar apostolic with important civil powers, with the right to establish governors in each centre of the population, to maintain order and administer justice, to open schools at the cost of the government, in which, besides Christian doctrine, the Spanish language, reading, writing, arithmetic, and music would be taught, and to prohibit sales by credit whereby evil men had traded on the simplicity of the indians and despoiled them of their land by the same decree the protection of the missioners by the central government was ensured and if necessary by force of arms from that moment the works of the missioners produced the same magnificent results as in the past fresh missions were opened at loreto archidona Evila, la concepcion and other places schools were established for thousands of native children the mission of Napa alone in two years contained twenty native Christian villages and ten thousand native Christians. Already Garcia Marina was insisting on the appointment of a second apostolic vicariate when his death destroyed once more all these hopes. The Jesuits were again driven away and the Indians dispersed. A few remained among the distant tribes but were almost powerless for good, owing to the obstacles raised by their implacable and rapacious enemies. Under the inspiration of the same zeal, the President determined to try and revive the faith, not only among the savages, but among the Christians of the interior. The inhabitants of the mountains were nearly as much deprived of religious helps as the dwellers on the banks of the rivers. Only from time to time did a priest come to visit them in their solitude, and many lived and died without the sacraments. 
Garcia Moreno redoubled the number of priests, provided them with a sufficient income, and compelled their residence in the different parishes, desiring the governors of the province to see that the parochial mass was regularly said, and to inform him of any infractions of the rule. He obtained also from the Holy See the establishment of a new diocese on the seacoast for the two provinces of Esmeraldas and Manabi, of which the episcopal seat was Porto Viejo. A zealous bishop was appointed, and very soon, in all those neglected parishes, a new and Christian life was developed among the people. Lastly, finding that in many districts, from the vast extent of the parishes, many of the people were unknown to their pastors, and rarely went to their duties. Garcia Marina appealed to the Redemptorists to come and give missions in the most neglected parts of the country. Two bodies of French Redemptorists accepted the duty, and established themselves at Cuenca and Riobamba as centers from whence to evangelize the surrounding districts. Thanks to the generosity of the President, who provided for their traveling expenses, and often for their maintenance, and to the encouragement of the bishops, whose zeal seconded their efforts, these Redemptorist Fathers met with unprecedented success. They went by twos and twos on horseback among a population who were completely hidden in the forests or on the crest of a volcano. Many of them, as soon as they heard of the mission, shut up their cabins and walked nine and ten leagues to take part in the exercises. Where there was no church, they built in haste green tents, under which the instructions were given for fifteen days, which were eagerly followed, and concluded by all approaching the sacraments and consecrating themselves and their families to the protection of the Blessed Virgin. When the fathers had to leave, the parting was quite heartrending, the poor people imploring them with tears to remain among them. In the towns, the missions excited equal enthusiasm. The president made a point of attending all the sermons given in the retreat at Quito, which ended with the erection of magnificent Calvary. The Christ, which was to be carried processionally through the streets of the town, was borne by Garcia Marino and his ministers before all the people, showing them by this striking act whose image it was that he hoped would reign in their hearts and throughout his kingdom. In fact, the zeal of the president for the religious regeneration of Ecuador was crowned with astonishing success. Father Lorenzo, superior of the Capuchin missioners, established at Ibarra, writes, Religion is held in the highest honor here. The people received us with triumphal arches and joyous music. Ibarra, which had been almost destroyed by the earthquake, is being rapidly rebuilt. The government has built a vast hospital, the bishop is restoring his cathedral, and the Dominicans their convent, while the president has given us one thousand piastres to repair that of St. Francis. Here all breathes piety. One never hears a blasphemous word. The Sunday is kept holy, and even the troops make a retreat every year. To Garcia Marino, all this was a real joy. He wrote to a friend in June 1873 after the Quito retreat, God has blessed us, and the country is visibly improving. Everywhere there is a change, for the better, thanks to the Jesuits and other religious orders who have come to help our good priests. The numbers who went to confession this Lent is incalculable. In our youth we could count on our fingers those who went to their duties. Now one only reckons the few who neglect them. On the other hand, the material progress is no less remarkable. One would really imagine that God is bearing us up with his hand, like a tender father with his child, when he tries to walk the first few steps. End of part three, chapter seven.